a reading from the book of the prophet Jonah. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Set out for the great city of Nineveh and announce to it the message that I will tell you. So Jonah made ready and went to Nineveh according to the Lord's bidding. Now Nineveh was an enormously large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began his journey through the city and had gone but a single day's walk announcing 40 days more and Nineveh shall be destroyed. When the people of Nineveh believed God, they proclaimed a fast and all of them, great and small, put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in the ashes. Then he had this proclaimed throughout Nineveh. By decree of the king and his nobles, neither man nor beast, neither cattle nor sheep, shall taste anything, they shall not eat, nor shall they drink water. Man and beast shall be covered with sackcloth and call loudly to God. Every man shall turn from his evil way and from the violence he has in hand. Who knows, God may relent and forgive and withhold his blazing wrath so that we shall not perish. When God saw by their actions how they turned from their evil way, he repented of the evil that he had threatened to do to them. He did not carry it out. The word of the Lord. Thanks. A contrite and humble, O God, will not spurn. Have mercy on me, O God, in your goodness, in the greatness of your compassion. Wipe out my offense, thoroughly wash me from my guilt, and my sin cleanse me. I contrite and humble, O God, you will not spurn. A clean heart create for me, O God, a steadfast spirit renew within me. Cast me not out from your presence, and your Holy Spirit take not from me. A heart contrite and humble, O God, you shall not spurn. For you are not pleased with sacrifices. Should I offer a burnt offering? You would not accept it. My sacrifice, O God, is a contrite spirit. A heart contrite and humble, O God, you will not spurn.
Sfavescum. Lectio Sancti Evangelii Secundum Lucam. While still more people gathered in the crowd, Jesus said to them, this generation is an evil generation. It seeks a sign, but no sign will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Just as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. At the judgment, the queen of the south will rise with the men of this generation, and she will condemn them, because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And there is something greater than Solomon here. At the judgment, the men of Nineveh will arise with this generation and condemn it, because at the preaching of Jonah, they repented. And there is something greater than Jonah here. Verbum Domini. Our Lord refers on two different occasions to the sign that Jonah would be. In one passage, he especially refers to the connection with Jonah in the great fish for three days as a symbol of Christ being in the tomb for, for three days. But then we see another use, and that's what's going on here. It's not so much about Christ's sign that he will rise from the dead. There's another element. And we see the reference to the final judgment being made here. And this is the way that our Lord is addressing the people who about 15 verses before this, had criticized our Lord after he had cast a demon out of a man in a very dramatic way. One part of the crowd said, oh, he does this by the power of the demons. So he has a demon, that's how he does it. And our Lord refuted that right away. So that people learn how to discern that evil cannot do good. This is not what's going to happen. And that he, you know, the house divided against itself, you know, cannot stand and neither can Satan. But then after those discussions, he, uh, he's interrupted by a woman who cries out, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts that nursed you right before this passage. 
And he says, rather, blessed are those who hear the word of God and believe it. And it's immediately after saying that that he brings up this very important line. This generation is an evil generation. It seeks a sign. This is not the attitude of somebody who has faith. The person of faith isn't going to be saying, prove it to me. This is not faith anymore. And it's very important for us to keep in mind that a lot of people had seen many, many signs. They had seen lots of miracles, including Judas Iscariot. He had seen the multiplication of loaves and fish. He had seen Jesus walk on the water. He had seen the blind be healed, the lame walk, the lepers be cleansed. He had observed all this, one thing after another. And it did not stop him from pursuing his own selfishness. He remained a thief, stealing from the common purse, as St. John points out, and eventually betrayed Jesus for the 30 pieces of silver. So signs don't convince people. And a lot of people who already don't have faith will say, well, I didn't see a miracle. I didn't see it. This is still a modern issue. That hasn't changed. And our Lord rather wants us to hear the word of God and believe it and act on it. In fact, just as his mother had had, remember that woman gave that beatitude about, you know, how blessed is the womb and the breasts, namely referring to his mother. But when our Lord says, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it, he didn't exclude his mother. She did exactly that. She didn't see a sign, but she believed. And this is exactly what we're commanded to do. Now, the sign is called the sign of Jonah. This is something worth taking a look at. Jonah came from Judea, from Jerusalem, and he was sent to preach to the Assyrians. Nineveh was their capital. And today, it's, you can still go see the ruins of ancient Nineveh, what, what wasn't destroyed in the war, especially the war with uh, ISIS. A lot of those ruins are still there. And, you know, this is in, it's in Mosul, or close to Mosul. Mosul is the modern city. And the ancient Assyrians are named after their favorite god, Ashur. Ashur was the god of war. These were an extraordinarily violent people. They didn't so much develop 
their own economy. Rather, their prosperity depended on constant conquest. So they eventually not only conquered all of Mesopotamia, but they went all the way to Egypt and these very fierce generals like Tiglath-Pileser III and Sennacherib and Esarhaddon and Ashurbanipal, these, the sequence of very, very strong kings who conquered and destroyed even the, the most famous temple in Egypt at Karnak. These people were a very violent folk. And it's to these folks that Jonah is sent to tell them to repent. This would be like being sent into Paris in 1792 or three to tell Robespierre and the Jacobins, you have to repent as they are going around cutting off the heads of every royalty and every priest they can find and killing 200,000 practicing Catholics. Or it'd be like going into Berlin in 1940 and saying, repent, you Nazis. Or going into Moscow in 1925, repent of your atheism. Not going to go over real well. As you can imagine, put it in the context of some of the most violent uh, times and peoples of our era. That's what it was like. And he's, he's going to be assigned to preach judgment. That's what we see Jonah speaking. That as he goes there, 40 days more and Nineveh will be destroyed. In fact, there is a book that was written in the first century BC. It's called The Lives of the Prophets. It was a Jewish book. And it's not part of scripture, and most of us, you can get it online, um, but it's fairly obscure. But in there, in the section on Jonah, it mentions the sign of Jonah, the omen of Jonah which was, the, in that book, applied to Jerusalem being destroyed. And Christ here is talking about it. Matter of fact, he will be giving these warnings later in the gospel, I believe in chapter 13 and chapter 19 in Luke, and of course the parallels in Matthew 24 and Mark 13. These will be the threats of the coming destruction of Jerusalem. He is that son of man who comes to give that sign, to be that sign that, no, that Jonah was, the sign of preaching judgment. Now, this is something very important to keep in mind. As he gives that sign of judgment, and Jonah becomes the sign of judgment. In his book, it actually has an effect on the people of Nineveh. They repent. This is a very important 
indication for us. When the Lord proclaims a sign, like judgment in this case, it doesn't mean that it will absolutely happen and that if Nineveh is not destroyed, therefore God failed. No, the purpose of proclaiming the judgment is to call people to repent. That was our Lord's purpose in preaching the judgment. He wanted Jerusalem to repent when he wept over Jerusalem. He said, I would gather you like a hen gathers her chicks. He wanted them to be saved. And in, from a Christian perspective, we can look back and I urge you, read Josephus, the Jewish war, which describes he was an eyewitness to the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. And he describes how they had all, the, the people inside, the Jewish people inside, had turned against each other and were killing each other. Romans just sat and watched. And then when enough of them died, then the Romans went in. But Christ was correct. Had they accepted the Sermon on the Mount, loving their enemies, not seeking revenge, not having these other vices, they wouldn't have turned on each other and Jerusalem could have survived. This gets at the point of preaching judgment. Now, part of the sign of Jonah is also this. Jonah then went and sat back and waited for the destruction, even after they repented. All right, Lord, bring it on. And he was mad when they didn't get destroyed. He wanted revenge. That's why the Lord had to teach him a bit of a lesson. We can read chapter 4 to find the rest of that story. And we have a certain obligation to be those signs of Jonah in the face of sin. We see a lot of violence in our society, a lot of materialism, a lot of consumerism. We see industries, not one, but multiple industries dedicated to lust, whether it's pornography or human trafficking. We see all of these kind of movements to break individual commandments, and then some people overlap and do a number of commandments. They'll toss in lying and, and false witnesses, all sorts of things. And part of our task in continuing the mission of Christ is to proclaim judgment against sin because the sin is inherently wrong. These are grave evils. But we don't preach the judgment against those who refuse to commit themselves to their spouses and their children and break up their families. We don't preach to those who are involved in human trafficking or those who are involved in pornography or the abortion industry or these other industries of violence and cruelty. In order to say we want to sit back like Jonah and watch you fry. That's not 
our attitude any more than it was our Lord's. It's rather that we proclaim and become that sign of Jonah to preach against these evils so that people repent. The goal is their salvation. If they don't repent, it's not, well, I guess I tried and it's all okay. No, the punishment will be theirs. People who profit off of abortion and make political hay out of trying to kill more children, etc., they will suffer the judgment, there's no doubt, if they don't repent. But our goal is to be those who preach about the judgment of God in order to let them know that repentance is possible. Presumably, we are here because we have repented of our sins. And we are in the ongoing process of continuing to be purified. That's why we celebrate Lent. We want to be purified of our sins and to be ever more ready for God so that any of the judgment for our sins would be reversed and we'd find salvation. That's our goal. And we share that with our world. No matter how wicked it might seem at times, we are to be that sign of Jonah that Jesus proclaimed himself to be and sends us to continue.